Hello and welcome to The Point of Everything. Today on the show is Kerry singer-songwriter Lorraine Nash, who's just released her debut album, All That I Can Be. This is one of the singles off the album. It's called I'll Go. Expectations high as the kite You'd fly as a child You took your chances, oh you tried But when it flew, it went wild Anticipation lies with you at night Sets you up for a fall of your own design you set your sights on the highest heights And if you can't get there, you'll die trying And I've been reading from this map for some time now And though I wrote it, I still can't figure it out And if you to say the word that babe, I'll go But I don't know what the word is Maybe you said it long ago Lorraine Nash has been making music since she was young, playing various instruments as she made the rounds in the Kyoto circles of Ireland. Eventually, she picked up a guitar in her mid-teens, and after putting out a debut EP in summer 2020, released her debut album about three years later, at the start of May 2023. All That I Can Be is a record that sticks with you long after it's finished. She's got a great voice, some really deep, incisive lines that you'll remember and as you'll hear she's got some killer sly guitar on the record too john maher in the irish independent said nash is very much her own musician but her robustly penned songs are redolent of mary black around the time of no frontiers the album that made black a star he adds that there's more than enough here to win lorraine nash a significant audience We do talk about Lorraine Nash's influences during our chat, though alas, not about Mary Black. We discuss her journey up until now, including that competitive Irish music circuit, and then we go through all that I can be track by track. You can get it at lorrainenash.bandcamp.com. Maybe you'd like to buy it and listen to it before listening to that track by track, but we'll get into it. Let's listen to the end of... I'll go and then at the end of the interview you're going to hear the last track on the album it's called I Don't Care here's Lorraine Nash on The Point of Everything doing this a little bit later than usual after the album is out after your launch shows are already in the bag how did the launch gigs go first of all uh really well uh, i think it was a bit daunting uh booking my first solo gigs up until now i've been doing support and no liability just show up and do my set which is really nice and obviously that was good to do too it got me comfortable with being on stage but yeah, they went really well. Uh, I had the Dublin one was in Little Whelan, so that's a really nice kind of acoustic-y room. Uh, and then I did Collins as well, and that was nice. Very good. And so so since we didn't get to plug them uh, before they happened, what live plans do you have for the next little while, maybe over summer? I have a few bits. Um, I have a couple of things that are confirmed, but they haven't been announced, so I don't know if I'm allowed to say anything about them. Uh, I do have one in Trafton Festival, and that's the 30th of next month. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I have bits, but people can find those on social media because I'm just going to say the wrong dates and confuse people. <laughs> Did I see that you're going to Australia as well, or planning to go to Australia? Yeah, so um, I was in Monaghan 
for a folk conference. It's kind of like the first conference I had been to as well. And I didn't know what to expect. And I also was like, oh, do I want to go all the way to Monaghan? <laughs> wow, if there's any Monaghan people listening. <laughs> oh, Monaghan is great, but I just like, I hate traveling. <laughs> and then I'm going to Australia, <laughs> but that'll be fine. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, I don't know. I've never done this sort of con- conference thing before. And it was a bit daunting because, you know, you do have your performance, but then there's the whole like, um, basically like they call it speed dating, where you're just like going around different tables trying to sell yourself, which I find very daunting and intimidating. But um, that's where I met uh, Claire. So she works with Square Lemon and we got talking and had a few uh, Zoom calls and decided, yeah, let's like sign a contract. And like we were pushing for the, the festival run either next year or the following year. But a couple of things have been confirmed, so we're good to go with next year, which is great. I'm really happy with that. Wow, great. Yeah, I hear about the speed dating kind of thing on the music side. It's it's just like Irish people aren't good at talking themselves up anyway. And I'm no. guessing musicians are kind of like another <laughs> subsection of that as well, trying to sell your music to people. Yeah, I mean, it was definitely something worth experiencing because you know, the goal would be hopefully down the line that I could present my music at Folk Alliance and those kind of big conferences that do mean a lot. But uh, I think this is obviously um, on a much smaller scale, but it was such a great introduction to it. Um, and obviously everyone at the festival as well was so great. I, I really enjoyed it. It was really well run. But um, yeah, it was just bizarre. <laughs> it's like you had a sheet of these people from these different festivals and you put them in order of preference. Uh, who you wanted to speak to and then you just like sat in front of someone and realized that you had to try and sell yourself and I was like I don't know (laughs) it is like as Irish people we are we're far too um I don't even know if it's modest or it's just like you want to seem modest always (laughs) (laughs) um so tell me maybe I mean, I guess this is kind of speed dating in a way tell me about yourself uh how did you get started in music uh, yeah, I started at a young age um, and it was like trad music and classical music were the only two styles that I had played for a long time. Um, so when I was about six, that's when I started playing the the tin whistle and then I started learning the flute. And then I decided I wanted to learn the violin. And meanwhile, I was doing the piano and I was doing the harp for a little while. It wasn't actually until I was like 16 or 17 that I started playing guitar. And that's kind of, I mean, piano probably would be my main instrument, the one that I feel like I'm most proficient in. But um, when I'm writing, I tend to reach for the guitar for some reason. Maybe it's just the type of music that I listen to. I mean, up until I was 16, I mainly was thinking of myself as like an instrumentalist. Um, that's all I did and that's what I enjoyed. And I kind of feel like, when that's what you're doing, you're also a little bit more in the background. Like, okay, this is cool. I'm just happy sitting back here doing, doing my thing. But then I, I think I just kind of got super interested in listening to the music of other songwriters. And maybe that's when I started being influenced. I think I started off by learning their songs. And next thing I was like, oh, maybe I should try that. Try writing your own stuff. Yeah, I think um, we had, uh, when I was in secondary school, we had some guy come in in fourth year and he was like, trying to teach us about like music production or something and that's when I kind of got interested into that side of things because obviously the way that I would play so many instruments when I want to record demos it's so easy to put as much as I possibly want onto it and to make use of everything that I would have Um, so that's when I started thinking about that side of things. Was it just a case of dabbling in all of those instruments did you enjoy kind of going from the flute to the violin to the harp to the guitar and stuff or did it feel like you're still kind of searching for the right instrument for you? Like I would be a fairly confident piano player for sure that was that was my favorite and then with yeah it was flute that was kind of my other let's say my main instrument and that was more like traditional music as well but um they would have been my my main instruments uh violin i i don't think i ever reached the level that i wanted to i mean i could still go back and you know 
improve if I wanted to. I did some classical music and stuff as well and that to try and improve my technique. But what I found was the best thing about doing that was when I'm writing my own string parts, that I know kind of what I'm looking for and I feel like I have an understanding of what I'm writing for instead of I find like a lot of the time they can be written just someone like playing those chords on a keyboard and that's their string part when they convert it into MIDI, but I enjoy writing them like as sheet music. So I think I gained a lot, whether I still use them as much, I don't know, but like I do think I I do think I benefited from each aspect of the instruments I was playing. Playing trad and classical, I kind of think of them as two like opposites almost. You know, one the trad side is quite improvised, I'm guessing, and the classical is I, I think of as quite regimented anyway, like you're always reading the sheet music. Is is that how it is? Do you see them as more complementary than that? Um, no, I do think that they were totally different. Like the way I was learning trad was obviously everything is kind of more oral based. Sorry, aural. So I'm listening and I'm working on my ear and I'm proving things like that. And then obviously it's more technique and, you know, more theory based with the classical music. But I do think that they went hand in hand because, you know, when I was in my classical lessons, at least my ear was strong enough to make up for the other parts that I lacked. I think that they complemented each other, even if they were so different. Mm. And so you start writing your own music, your own lyrics anyway, when you're about 16 or something like that, you released your debut EP Wildflower in summer 2020. Was was it a long kind of learning curve to kind of get to that point where you felt okay kind of releasing your own music into the world? Yeah, I think I had recorded um, an EP. I don't even know if I'd call it an EP, but it was more of a demo because I kind of wanted to try out recording in a studio. And I think I was about 18 when I did that. And it was just something really simple. Um, but I kind of took that CD home and I was like, I just kept listening back to it and I was like, oh, what is this? <laughs> I don't know. I just wasn't happy with, uh, the songs were whatever, they were okay, but I don't think I had any strong vision of what I wanted the overall sound to be. So I think there was no cohesion between those five songs. And then I was like, I'm just going to put this away. And how how long before Wildflower is that? That is nothing to do with Wildflower. They were like five totally different songs that I just scrapped the whole thing. But that was my first experience. But I think by the time I had gotten round to doing Wildflower, I was like, I know what I want. Um, and I know what sound I want. And I think that's where doing those demos was so important for me because going into a studio with just the songs and your chord charts and stuff, I was like, that didn't work. I needed everything like laid out as I wanted it before I went in because I think I'm just a control freak. <laughs> yeah I think it's easy for things to kind of run away from you when you're in a studio situation because your head is like oh I'm paying to be here like you know you're trying to move ahead with things as quick as you can I think you kind of lose sight of what you're trying to do but I think I realized after that experience that I needed to put a lot more time into these songs before I take them to the studio and um yeah I spent um I think I spent nearly a year actually working on the songs and working on the arrangements and stuff of the EP before I just took it into the studio. And then when I did take it into the studio, it was such a quick process because I knew exactly what I wanted and where I was going with it. Yeah, so that came out in summer 2020 and it does kind of feel like, you know, maybe the starting point, I'm guessing, for the debut album. You know, some of the bits on the album are kind of are kind of there as well. Some of the elements and some of the sounds are there. But what was it that you were searching for on the album that you didn't have on the demo like what what was it that you were looking for i think um there's maybe a broader range of styles in there i think the ep and i am happy with the ep um maybe a little it's a little bit more simplistic uh, i think i developed the arrangements a bit more but even aside from that when i was doing the ep i think maybe i was a bit to I was overthinking things a bit. Some of those songs could have just been me and an acoustic guitar, and that would have been fine. So I think I felt more comfortable with doing that because an album, you know, twelve tracks, you have a lot more room uh, for variation. Did you start writing the album after that EP? Then was it just a, a 
process over the past couple of years getting it up to uh, release? Um, things happened kind of weirdly. So, like, I finished, uh, well, I released the EP at the start of lockdown and I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I can't, like, promote this in person at all. Um, so it was just a lot of live streams. And that Christmas after the EP, I had written, like, a song called Winter Sun. And that was more of a Christmas single. And I was like, you know what? There's no point in like sitting on the CP and waiting until all this is over because we don't know when. I'm just going to keep pushing on. Uh, and I was really happy with how that went. And that was all recorded remotely. And that was just one single. And I was like, okay, we can do this. We can do this from home. Because um, obviously I had like, I was doing the keys and obviously all of the vocals and stuff like that. But um, I had someone to record string parts remotely. And I also had the drummer that did the EP, Jason O'Driscoll. He does drums and bass. And he did that for me from home. He has his own setup as well. So we did the whole thing and put it all together with Herring O'Hearn. Um, working on his head and Tom Moilis. And that turned out fine. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to start recording demos and work towards an album. <laughs> wow. So did you go uh, into a studio in the end or is it all home recorded? I think there's like two vocal tracks. That might have been done in the studio towards the end because I wanted to retake them. And the strings were recorded in the studio. And I think everything else was uh, home recorded. Wow, I didn't realize that. It sounds great. Thank you. I um, I invested in a decent microphone and interface. I had um, Herring helping me decide what gear to get. And then even we tried using, um, I don't know if you've heard of VST Connect. Nope. But it's like... I have my microphone and my interface and then on his end he can actually control the levels. So we're using the same um, audio software and then he can control things on my end, which was okay, but also I was back at my parents' house in Kerry and he was also in the countryside in Cork, so we had many issues. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of buffering. um wow that's great so have you have you actually like gone back into studio properly and recorded a couple of tunes since then or anything like that apart from like the little bits here and there um I got back into the studio as soon as I could because I wanted to start mixing with him in person because the mixing the recording was okay and you know gathering all the tracks together was okay and I was doing maybe some jigsaw mixing you know, putting together what parts of each track I wanted. But the actual, like, mixing process was really hard to do, um, emailing things back and forth and stuff. So um, most of the mixing was done in person, thank God, and that made the process a little bit quicker. Um, I haven't started recording, though, since I feel like the last, I don't know how many months has just been taken up with planning stuff around the, the, the album. So I'm excited now to have a summer of writing again. Great, great. Um, we might talk through some of the tracks uh, on the album in a sec. Just tell me first about the album cover, which uh, I think is great. It's you. I'm presuming it's a Kerry Beach that you're at, is it, with a lampshade behind you and stuff? No? No, it's not a Kerry Beach. I wish it was, but um, <laughs> Celeste, uh, the photographer, she's Cork-based, and I really wanted to work with her um, just logistically because um, we had to go after she had finished work someday so it wouldn't have worked to drive all the way down to Kerry but that it is um what's the name of the beach oh my god I was playing Carriga line I'm so silly <laughs> I can't remember it's a cork it's a cork beach anyway it's a cork beach it's a miscellaneous cork beach <laughs> I, I don't know where that idea came from but I don't know it just popped into my head one day and I was like oh that'd be cool with mm. it because I was I asked her actually I was like I'd love if I could get like this vintage lamp and an armchair and she's like oh I have all that and I have a rug too and I was like okay let's do that <laughs> that's why she takes to the beach with her <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah because like I thought the shoot was gonna go on all day and it was also like a couple of months ago so it was freezing and I was like prepared <laughs> to get like frostbit but like we did it so quickly because we kind of both were like this is what we want this is good this is fine also it was it was uh taken over like christmas or over winter is it uh i think it was uh was it like february or something okay it wasn't the worst but it was still pretty cold and then (laughs) oh my god we had to like 
reschedule like four times because we would just look outside and be like it's raining yeah. it's raining we have to no no <laughs> yeah <laughs> so quickly favorite beach in ireland i'm presuming it's going to be in in Kerry, or is it going to be in cork now i don't know no <laughs> uh, my favorite beach is probably i love banna strand i think that's a really nice beach uh, it's outside Trilly, so if I was home, I'm actually going back to Kerry this weekend to get some nice weather out of the city, so I'm excited. At the back of the band, keeping time strong, but you don't understand, so you won't sing along. The most beautiful of sounds come from the unknown, up from underground. So you better stoop down low and show me what you've got. I won't think of you as weak. No one's asking you to get down on your knees. Take it like the man that you say you are. You can still. Let's talk through some of the tracks on the album. So, Sing With Her, I think that this was the first single that you released from the album as well, isn't it? Um, it was, yeah. It's a response to the Why Not Her movement. Why did this feel like the right opener on the album? As an opener, I think it's just a strong start. Because um, I, I think track listing can be important. I know a lot of people obviously don't listen to albums the way they used to. You know, you just stick a couple of songs into a playlist and that's it. But I like to listen to a full album. <laughs> I was like, this is more for me, maybe. Um, but as a start, um, I think there's no strong theme also, by the way, through the whole album. It's not like a concept of just one thing. And that's obviously why, why I call it All That I Can Be, because that allowed me to do what I wanted with it. Um, but I think musically, I, I more put that as the first track in a musical way. I think it was just like, uh, open the album with a bit of a bang. How did you find the influence of Why Not Her, that movement? I'm guessing that um, initially it's anger. And then how does the influence come from that, that you kind of writing a song in response to it? This was actually the weirdest coincidence ever, though, because I think it was a couple of weeks before that Why Not Her movement and I had heard about it, I had started writing the, the verse um, of that song and I had these two verses and I was just sitting with them and I didn't know what to do with them. And obviously it was based around the same topic. It wasn't specifically about sexism in the music industry, it was just sexism in general. Um, and I didn't know what to do with it. And next thing I was reading about this movement and it kind of inspired me. And then obviously just making it about the industry um, and it was, I guess it was based on anger, but not specifically for me, the music industry, it was more in general. It must be nice, though, seeing the likes of the RTE Radio 1 airplay charts. And RTE Radio 1 is pretty good for gender balance and um, playing Irish artists as well. I was looking at them yesterday and you're on uh, those charts. It must be nice just to see that, to see that it is getting played on, the, that you are getting played on the radio and stuff in Ireland. Yeah, it is nice. And I think, um, I feel like maybe it would also be like the sort of audience that would be the ones that come to my gigs as well. So <laughs> at least they're the ones that are playing it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the lines you sing on Sing With Her is the most beautiful sounds come from the unknown. Is this about the creative process itself? Maybe tell me about how you work on a song, like how it actually like comes to be. That line for me was kind of like, you know, the most beautiful sounds come from the unknown. I was kind of saying like, sometimes the things that you don't understand or you choose not to understand. Generally, I always write with an instrument. I think the music and the lyrics do go hand in hand for me. I have tried writing poetry and I feel a little bit lost. Like I did a, a poetry uh, module for college because uh, I studied English in UCC and I literally was just writing songs and then taking the music away and handing them in because I didn't know what else to do. I find that it helps me like just find the rhythm 
of those lyrics. Yeah, that's generally how I would start. Or I can't really start writing a song either until I've had an idea. I think I've tried to sit down sometimes and to, to like force myself to write and that doesn't really work for me. And I know I could be like, keep at it and you'll get something, but it's not really. It's if I've had an idea, that's when I find that I get into more of a creative flow and it's just easier instead of like sitting down and feeling shit about yourself for not writing for three hours and just wasting your day. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading Nick Cave and Sean O'Hagan, their book that came out last year. It's kind of them in conversation with each other. And so much of it is about the creative process. So I'm like really thinking about it a lot now, like how, you know, Nick Cave says that he works completely different to other people. You know, he, uh, before he starts a new album, he doesn't like have ideas. He doesn't come in with a notebook already full of ideas. He comes in with a completely blank notebook and work and fills it up and stuff like that, which I'm thinking is probably daunting for a lot of writers. I'm guessing most songwriters, maybe yourself included, are kind of like, you know, you've got a line here and there, and then you sit down and you figure out how, how to piece them all together, maybe, is it? Yeah, definitely. But I'm not Nick Cave. <laughs> <laughs> well, he still talks about like getting writer's block and he says like there's one part in it which is really like it's almost shocking because he says like I've written, you know, however many songs, 250 songs, he says. And, you know, he still feels like shit when he can't write. So it kind of never goes yeah. away if you like the amount of people I've talked to who, you know, talk about going through writer's block and stuff. It never goes away so and and he actually talks about poetry as well how he can't write poetry either but he does enjoy reading it I mean like do you um find inspiration from reading it if if you do read it or do you just find them like you say almost like two different types of art form even though a lot of people would probably kind of class them together I'm guessing um I definitely enjoyed studying it uh I love like reading meaning into words and I think that's something obviously poets and songwriters have in common. Um, it's not necessarily that I wouldn't enjoy it, but it's more, um, you know, when I'm writing, I find that I need that music, but I do enjoy reading it. It's just not within me to write it. <laughs> mm. Yeah, not yet anyway. <laughs> not yet. I am sharp, I am round, I am laying on the ground I am wide, I am narrow, I am flying like a sparrow I am down on my knees and I am carried by the breeze I am somewhere in between but I am all that I can be I am lost, I am found, I have a weight I carry around I am blind, I can see, I am weightless, I am free And I am stumbling through the dark And I am running through the park I am somewhere in between But I am all that I can be All That I Can Be is the title track Seems like a kind of a coming of age kind of title Is it a coming of age album? Do you see it like that? Or do you see it as something else, that title? I guess it kind of is. I mean, those songs are all written over such a long time as well. I mean, the most recently written one probably was Wolves. And then that was kind of written during lockdown when I was kind of trying to fill up the rest of that space in the album. And then All That I Can Be was probably written when I was like 18 or 19. And then I kind of revisited it and changed some of the lyrics. But uh, yeah, I guess it was written at that age when I was in college. Um, but yeah, I think it kind of, it is generally like, when I was putting the album together, I felt like I was like making a CV. And I was like, these are all the things that I like and the things that I like <laughs> to do. And that I, yeah, <laughs> I think this is my calling card and this is all the stuff I want to do musically. <laughs> when you're coming back to a song that you wrote when you're 18 and 19 is it almost like are you almost cringing when you're reading it or when when you're kind of revisiting it are you like oh my god what did I think that I was doing <laughs> uh, oh I think if I like cringe at it then I just put it away into the box of like no straight away but I think if I find something in it 
sometimes even if it is just a couple of lines I'll take those and that's a good like I was saying I need a couple of lines I need something to start with and sometimes it is an old song that I don't necessarily like but if there's a couple of lines I can rework something around that and um, with all that I can be I think it was like almost as it was I think I just added an extra verse I didn't really change much about it I was really happy with that one and that was kind of one of the, those more like the more simple tracks in the album as well this fire, the flood, kind of ends in the kind of, you can hear the trad coming through a lot in this. Did you play a lot of trad when, as a child, like, were you playing in groups, were you playing with family? Yeah, um, so I used to go to the, the, the local Kyogres, um where I lived. So that was like all of my free time was taken up playing in like musical trad groups, which was great. I really did enjoy it. I think I only stopped doing that when I was maybe probably around 16, no, 15 or 16, yeah, because I was just getting so sick of competing because <laughs> a lot of it was based around competing. And then, like, every single summer, that's your whole summer. So uh, I think I just wanted a break, and then I just was like, oh, I'm free. <laughs> I did enjoy it while I was doing it, though. Were you competitive, though? Were you the one, like, always coming out on top? I was doing okay. Um, <laughs> but I think I was just like, doing too much at once because I was like okay I'm going to compete but I'm going to do violin and flute and harp and piano and accompaniment and singing <laughs> and I was just like trying to do everything which never works obviously so I think I was just getting like too into it. Wow I uh like I didn't play any trad when I was younger so it's really interesting hearing that it's like competitive just because like this week they've talked about um how they don't want under 14 GA matches to be competitive you know, like no trophies and stuff like that. They just want okay. the kids to learn and stuff. But like from how young an age is it competitive uh, musically? Oh, my God. It starts like under 12, but there could be eight year olds in there. And like it is it actually was a very competitive atmosphere, I think, um, especially like, OK, you go through Kerry, then you go to Munster and then the All-Ireland was when like all of the American fiddle players would join and you're like, oh no, I didn't see you before. <laughs> you're terrifying. <laughs> but yeah, I think it was, I think I was okay with it. Um, I enjoyed doing it. There was no way that like I was being forced into it, but I think you would see some children and you're like, your mom wants this for you more than you want it for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it makes, it made you anyway, like better the fact that, oh, you've got to learn this, you know, so that you can, you know, win the win the gold star win the uh win the prize um i think whatever about the kind of competitive side of it but i think obviously getting confidence to play in front of people because obviously if you're doing like a solo competition it's just you and your violin and that's it and a room full of people so i mean there is like huge benefits to, to competing and stuff did you always know that there'd be a trad influence in your music or did it kind of take a while for you to figure out that that is what you wanted to to get in there? I think uh, I allowed it to come through a lot more in the album, maybe. I mean, I don't think it was ever going to not be there at all. <laughs> but I think I, I did allow it a bit more because um, I think I'm more okay with it. I think for a while I was in, like that, that first EP I was saying that I recorded that I just like threw in the bin. I think I was trying to be something that I wasn't. And like, it was kind of more like shit pop music. <laughs> oh, right. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think I was allowing myself to do what came naturally. Yeah, just because like, you know, we keep, I keep saying anyway that like, you know, there's been a big trad revival, you know, you see the likes of Lancome doing absolutely amazing over the past yeah. little while. So is it that that kind of makes you think like, oh, it is okay to have the trad elements in the music rather than trying to do like a pop thing that isn't you yeah i think yeah i think that could be part of it for sure i actually went to see lancome last week in the oh, office oh. um but yeah i think seeing that it is and i i think it always kind of was popular in like you know all these musicians like folk would be so um so popular around like germany and in europe i think it was more that in ireland it felt like it kind of died off for a while there. But I think that market is always there. Ooh, 
through the album uh bittersweet is about a relationship kind of maybe coming to a natural end sort of thing is heartbreak kind of the easiest type of song to write you know it's so steeped in the history of well pop music i'm guessing like is that one of the easiest kind of uh genres to write i'm guessing tough on one hand personally but then like easy on the other hand i think it is tough but i also i think sometimes I start writing a song about something that's, oh, maybe it's personal to me or it's a situation that I've had. But then as I'm writing, I realize I'm just making stuff up because it suits the lyric. And, you know, I think it starts as one thing. And then I realize, like, I didn't, I didn't do any of this. <laughs> oh, so it's not totally um, personal. I think it is. But I think um, sometimes, obviously, you're dramatic. You're being dramatic and you're you're emphasizing the situations i think i guess it was based on personal experience but i think i was kind of being a bit more a bit more elaborate than i needed it to be <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think heartbreak is an easy one to start writing about there's so much material <laughs> um february snow is an interesting song kind of centrally placed on the album as well you sing and i knew where i stood and i thought i knew what was good for me which is quite a striking Lyric, tell me about making this song. So this one was written, um, we had quite bad weather, like, I think it was like four years ago. And do you remember there was like all that snow the end of February and March? And then like, even I was in college and we just went home because like everything had closed. Um, and I think it was kind of, it was a bit of a like climate crisis. But then I also made it about myself because songwriters are selfish. <laughs> Um, but I guess it is just about like uh, being open to change and accepting that you can't control everything. And that was the theme around the whole song. Does it stand out for you on the album as well, or, or are you able to kind of uh, stand back from the album and kind of like appreci- appreciate the songs kind of a little differently? Mm, I'm not at the point where I can even listen to it yet oh, because okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just like. I don't know, just when you're mixing something and listening to it so many times, I feel like you're not even thinking about it as a song. You're thinking about all the individual sounds and what needs to be changed and okay. all this. So I think <laughs> I've just like, I haven't like sat down and listened like straight through the album in a very long time. Maybe I'll come back in a couple of months and be like, oh, happy with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll Go makes me think of someone like Neve Regan, that kind of singer songwriter. I don't know, is she much of an influence? But maybe tell me about who are influences on you. I know the press release name checks uh, Gillian Welsh and Gabriel Alpen. I don't know if I'm pronouncing their names right. Gillian Welsh, Gabriel Alpen. Gillian Welsh and Gabrielle Alpen, yeah. yeah. Gabrielle Alpen. Um, oh, like, I think it's a, it's a wide range of influences. Um, I do really like Neve Regan, actually. <laughs> I think she's great. Um, I think, yeah, because there, there would be a lot of, because I, I do like Irish folk, but then the other side of it is um, like country music and Americana. So like, maybe like Gillian Welch, Emily Harris, and even kind of more modern bands like First Aid Kit. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of female songwriters would be, um, would be my influences. I think I, I was trying to consciously listen to more female songwriters because I realized I grew up listening to a lot of like Van Hansard and Jamie and Rice and all of these people. And the next thing I was like, where are the ladies? <laughs> yeah. Are they 
influential maybe to you when you're starting out the like the likes of Glenn Hansard and Damien Rice I mean I don't know it's so easy to just think of I think of that kind of era I hope like nobody's offended by it or anything if they're listening but I find when I think about that era I just kind of think of it as a bit dour a bit boring and a bit sad you know even though yeah I saw Damien Rice a couple of years ago I thought it was an amazing gig and stuff yeah. but uh I do kind of think that there's something a little bit dour about it I think um what was that is like was it oh was that the first album mm, that was a that was a big one yeah um I think I did I think there was an album that came out um I think it might be his most recent one my favorite faded fantasy mm. I loved that I just thought yeah. the arrangement on that was great I loved the strings obviously it is a bit depressing because <laughs> like it's not you're not going to be dancing at his gigs yeah, I think it's just kind of more what I was first listening to. Because, like, the very first albums that I really loved um, were probably, oh, then there was also um, the James Vincent McMurrow one. Um, Gone in the folk? Morning? Gone in the mor- Morning? Yeah, that's the folk one, isn't it? I haven't listened to it in so long. This is making me want to go back and listen to those albums. Yeah, so they were kind of like the the first sort of things I would have been listening to, and then I that was kind of also as well. Like all I was hearing was male singer songwriters uh, for a very long time, um, but then I think I kind of branched out a little bit and realised that it's a thing that women can also do. <laughs> <laughs> Early in the morning is the Jameson McMorrow album, but do, yes, do you find that like the the female singer songwriters that you were listening to are as kind of like <laughs> depressing for for lack of a better word or is there something a little different about their music that uh drew you to them um maybe something a bit different i mean who i'm currently loving at the moment like i love billy martin i think she's great i think it probably is a bit more upbeat but I think obviously there's like depressing female songwriters too. Mm. I think it just depends. <laughs> you yeah, can well, find them see, if you look for them. The thing is, is that they're not called depressing though, you know, like the likes of Phoebe Bridgers are called, you know, sad girl indie or whatever, girl you know. Music. It's kind of like, yeah. it's not, de- I don't know, you know, people don't, don't use that word. <laughs> You're right, yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting that you mentioned country music. W- Wandering Song is probably the most obvious country song to me it's got a little bit of sly guitar you've got really cool backing vocals as well was that a fun one to make and is that kind of you at your most country yeah it is it's um, well it's the most country on the album i think sing with her is quite country as well the lights are on but no one is home and oh although i have wandered i don't wander alone and as i Step into what is blue and unknown. Oh, although I have wandered, I don't wander alone. And the birds are singing a distant song. Oh, I know I can't keep myself away from them for long. And if I follow the breadcrumbs, when my heart leads me wrong nothing that is lost can stay lost for long and the shadows at my side that's not me it's not coming from inside. i'm really excited about the slide guitar actually um musicians always get I... so excited about slide guitar i love it I don't know why. It's just it's a novelty as well because like the whole album there's one track with slide guitar and I'm like, oh <laughs> those two minutes. <laughs> um I did enjoy that and I really love doing those backing vocals as well. Like with that one, um I had Richie Delahunty doing mandolin as well. So I think that added something else. So um I kind of was trying to change up the instrumentation and even a little bit if I could between the songs. Um so that was a fun one. And so we talked earlier about trad and classical music. What about like Irish traditional music and US country music? Do you see them as very similar or do you see them as like they've got lots of different things about them, even though maybe the instruments are kind of the same? I think maybe what they might have in common is the just the kind of simplicity of it. But like, you know, you're not going to be playing like crazy chords, so like jazz chords or anything. Generally in country, you've got like a one, four, five. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it's just like very simple. I think maybe that's something that where they will work together. Uh, otherwise, I mean, maybe the kind of storytelling element of it, you know, obviously in those traditional songs, it is all based on the story. And a lot of the time it will be the same with country music. So maybe something like that as well. So if it took you a while to start writing your own uh, lyrics, were you always singing songs like even when you were younger? Or did that take another while again for you to be able to start singing your own tunes? I don't know why, like, there's, there was something about singing to me that was like, oh my God, that's so like, that's so embarrassing. <laughs> I don't know why you feel so much more vulnerable singing than you do playing an instrument. Like, it's just such a different thing. So I was very like nervous about singing in front of people for a long time. But then I started doing um, traditional singing for a little while. I think that still does come through in my, my vocals. So they were kind of my first experiences like at those flaws and even like those kind of trad sessions and stuff like singing songs in Irish. But then I just started singing the songs of the songwriters I love. And then I got used to it and I think I found my voice a little bit. Mm. It sounds like Irish traditional singing is like something else entirely as well, because usually it's kind of like maybe unaccompanied. It's just the voice and it's just that. And it's like there's nowhere for you to hide, is there? No, at least you haven't written the song yourself. I think it'd be worse <laughs> if you're singing something out loud a cappella and it was about your own life. At least you're just like singing about some random old man. That's <laughs> 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 okay. Um, the final track on the album is called I Don't Care which uh, it sounds like it's a really fun track is that how it kind of feels like to you a kind of a fun way to end the album maybe yeah I think I always knew that that would be the one to end the album also because I had brass in there and I was like oh that's a surprise (laughs) I'll put that in there at the end Um, it was fun to well it was kind of fun to record I think I just it was that one and I'll Go that I really struggled with um, arrangement wise it took a very long time for I don't care to kind of fall into place and for it to sound right to me and then I was like okay it needs electric guitar and I think that's kind of the last thing that put it all into place how are you feeling about the album like as a whole if you're I know that you haven't been able to listen to it or press play maybe you will uh, <laughs> in time but like is it feeling proud that you've um, been able to like finish it up and release a debut album yeah, a great feeling for sure. Um, especially since it was just such a long time coming together. Uh, I'm really happy with the reactions from it. Uh, I'm glad people like the songs. I've heard some nice things. So, um, so far, really happy with it. But I do think, like, no matter who you are, you're always going to look back on something you've done and find something you think is wrong with it. So I'm just going to try and stay on the, the positive side of things. Yeah. Have you made much music uh, since maybe putting the finishing touches to the album? Can you already see that, you know, things are a little bit different, maybe a little bit more confident, maybe? No, I haven't started recording anything since that. I have I have a good few songs written. Um, I think what I need to do is just revisit all those songs and see where I can go from here. Because obviously I could record another album of these types of songs recorded in a similar way. But I think I'd like to take my time and see how can I maybe take things a little bit further or even like in a different direction a little bit. Cool. Well, I mean, Australia next year, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So good things to look forward to. Uh, Hopefully see you over the summer playing the songs live. But uh, yeah, thanks for the chats. Really enjoyed it. No problem. Thank you so much. (laughs) 